I'm Dahlia Lithwick, and I'm host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the law and the U.S. Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape. The many trials of Donald J. Trump, judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sometimes I remember... It was so quiet early morning that I could hear frogs croaking. I didn't know what it was at first, but it sounded familiar and it was springtime. I know that the bay is just right outside of West Block and you could throw a stone and hit the water from the top of the building. If you could get on the top of the building. I'm not trying to escape. Put that in there. I believe they were bullfrogs. I I love nature, so um, I'm a little bit familiar with some of the different sounds. And there were dozens of them. I mean, there were lots and lots of frogs out there, and that was really cool. Every morning around 3.30 a.m., I can hear the guards opening up the doors. Not only do you hear them keying each door, like click-clack, click-clack, click-clack. As they walk between doors, you hear the keys jingle. Ching-ching-ching, ching-ching-ching-ching, ching-ching-ching-ching, click-clack, ching-ching-ching, click-clack, ching-ching-ching, click-clack, ching-ching-ching, click-clack. So I'm hearing that at 4.30, and it pretty much wakes me up every morning. It's 12.30 on a Wednesday, and we're out on the yard at San Quentin State Prison. Nigel and I are here, and we have our eyes closed. What are you hearing, Nigel? Ooh, I just heard the sound of bird wings kind of flapping, must be taking off from the cement ground. I definitely hear guys talking. I think some people are playing handball, so I hear the sound of a ball hitting the wall. And what sound just came up? It was really nice. Do you hear that? I just heard the sound of a saxophone, but also heard a New York City sound. What was that? The sound of a plastic bag blowing across the concrete, abandoned. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, I just heard a gate open. I'm hearing somebody with a metal cane or something. I hear a cane scraping. Coming up behind us, yeah. That's right. What are you smelling? Okay. I smell dirt. I smell, like, heat coming off of the cement. Dusty smell. A dusty smell. How about you? At first, the yard smelled fresh, but then I went around shaking my head from left to right, taking deep breaths, and I smelled something weird I can't really identify. Wait a second. 
I just did what you said and I turned my head to the left. I smell like a food smell, like something that was microwaved in um, cardboard and then like sat out for a long time so everything's hard in it. When was the last time you kept your eyes closed on the yard? I generally don't keep my eyes closed on the yard. <laughs> this is probably the first time. How's it feel? Uh, ironically, it feels safe and comforting somehow, like I'm doing yoga or something on the yard. Oh, that's nice. What, should we open our eyes and see what's actually around us? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. one. I think it was odd when I opened my eyes, all of a sudden I saw there were about 40 guys walking right towards us. Yeah, because the yard felt so empty when we closed our eyes, and now a flood of people coming out down the stairs Whoa. from the building units hitting the yard. Yeah, I, it's weird we didn't pick up on it, you know? Yeah, like being in prison, it affects your senses in a lot of ways. Some senses you start to forget about, like they kind of recede into your memory. Other ones you wish you could just turn off. I'm Nigel Poor. I'm Rasan New York Thomas. Today, the five senses of prison life on Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia, season 10. We still here. In smell around, sensor, what do they call it? <laughs> Smellorama? San Quentin, when I first got here, I was 23. And I walked into reception over in Badger section and it was just powerful. None of the sounds that you hear are the stuff that you want to hear. Music in reception center just doesn't even exist. You know, no TVs, no radios. You become more sensitive to things like keys jangling. and I don't know what it is, but when a male officer is instructing someone, giving an instruction, a, a, a demand, you know, that voice, even if you can't see, you can only hear the voices, you know who is who. Can you tell me any good sounds inside prison? Are there any good sounds? Yes. So there's a guy on the second tier in West Block, down towards the back, back bar who plays guitar and his I mean he's, just, he's, he's a white guy but you would think just by hearing what he plays that he's some black guy from from Louisiana somewhere like his blues are just like it's it's raw and crisp and it's like really emotional stuff I dig it you know Your mom, your sister, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, partner, uh, your kids. You don't have that. You don't have any affection, physical affection, tactile affection. I think that that empty void is a lot of times what turns men into monsters. I saw something uh, a few months ago when I was coming to work, on my way to work. Uh, I guess one of the lifers had gotten found suitable for parole. And this officer, correctional officer, walked up, hey man, I heard, grabbed him and gave him this huge bear hug. And I'm seeing a cop and an inmate hugging each other. I'm like, what the F, dude? What What is happening here? Like, I was so shocked. Like, I think I talked about it for like three days. 
before I processed it and analyzed it, like, what is wrong with me that this is so shocking? Two human beings, one of them is proud of the other, one of them is proud of himself, but they're just celebrating this, literally this life changing, this life giving news. And they're celebrating it. And to me, it was shocking. I know I should be ashamed to say this, but I have gotten out a number of times. After um, seven and a half years in the Youth Authority, two and a half years in prison, six years fighting a life case. So I've gotten out after long periods. And it takes forever to get used to sitting and, and laying down on a mattress. When you go home tonight, I mean, just stop. Before you even sit down, just stop and experience the sensations of lowering yourself onto a mattress, sitting down, feeling it, your weight sink into it a little bit. I, I, I'm telling you that, that my first several days, like I have to sleep on the floor. I have to like lay down a couple blankets and just sleep on the floor because it takes that long to get used to the softness, you know? The comfort, like it's not comfortable, it's so comfortable, you know? I think in here I look for things to remind me of what it was like outside of prison and things to look forward to when I get out of prison and seeing nature and these things, I realized that the world hasn't stopped. It's still going. It's still going to be there when I get out. It's very calming and soothing to me. And so I'm really thankful that here at San Quentin, we have a beautiful hill and a mountain where we can see a lot of nature. Every morning when I come down from the top of the stairs, we can look over and see a little bit of the bay. And then at the bottom of the stairs, you look over and you can see the hillside where you can see deer, uh, sometimes a coyote or a fox. There's a lot of you know, birds flying overhead and on the yard and the geese on the yard. This morning there were about a dozen geese when we came down to work. There's about two or three dozen out there right now. We have osprey that I've actually seen carrying fish from one part of the bay to the other part of the bay. Hawks. The other day I saw a hawk just swoop down and snatch a pigeon right out of the air, right above the yard. We have pelicans that fly in the V formation. Sometimes a hundred pelicans, a great blue heron. There's usually just one, they fly alone. Comorants, egrets, and just here on the garden, we have uh, finches and sparrows. We have the swallows that build the mud nests up on the top of the housing units, the, you know, the cell blocks. And so they build nests out of mud every year. One year, it was so quiet on the yard because of the pandemic that they were coming down and grabbing the mud right off of the yard, which is cool to see them flying around, grabbing the mud and, and building their nests. You know, there were, I think, 50 nests just right there on the wall, the big wall outside the yard.
Have you been at one of those prisons like High Desert or Soledad where there's just desert everywhere? Ironwood. Ironwood. What is that like? So it, it's a desert, but there's tarantulas, there's lizards, there are bats. We had uh, bats flying around outside the yard with the big bright lights. Um, they attract moths, and the moths attract birds that feed on moths. There's nighthawks. A guy might have a pet snake. In the desert, there's wildlife too. What are you missing? Oh my goodness, where do I start? <laughs> the, the glimmer of the water over the ocean as I walk across the beach. Seeing wild rivers flowing and, and hearing them and stepping into them, feeling the cold water on my feet. Seeing a forest from the inside out uh, is, is a beautiful thing. What are the things you wish you didn't see? Well, we all take showers with men. And uh, if, if you look at the wrong spot, you learn right away, you know, oh, got hit in the eye, man. <laughs> Don't look there. So you learn. You know, the bathrooms here, I mean, even like on the yard and out here, uh, outside of work. The refreshing sounds of a toilet flushing in prison. They don't have, you know, guards, so you're just right next to each other. And When I walk through the yard, I, I, I very purposely avoid looking at the toilets. You have to, right? I always feel bad for the guy, but I always feel like it must be so humiliating to, like, some person's walking by and just, you know, looks at you going to the bathroom. But do you, do you think, like, you just get over that? Well, thank you for that, Nigel. We're in a spot, yeah. 99% of us are not trying to be seen going to the bathroom. Yeah. But here, yeah, everyone walking by, you know, guests, volunteers, uh, teachers, if they just glance over, they see something they don't want to see. Some guys will stop and try to talk to me by the bathroom, <laughs> and I'm like, can we just move on? How long do you think it takes to get used to going to the bathroom in front of other people? It took me a long time, yeah. You get used to seeing patterns. What? Can you explain that? Um, like for instance, if, you know, I would be on a crazy yard in high desert and I would, I would notice one person every day just work out in a certain area, right? And then one day I would notice him somewhere else and immediately red flags would go up like, oh, wait, this ain't right. He's not right there. He's over here. You notice that, you notice, all right, this person's always playing chess or this person's always playing cards. This person's always working out. This person's always doing, you know, doing other things. So you notice these things. And then when you realize that one of them is off, it sends alarms, to, you know, signals to your brain, like, wait, hold on, something's up. And I was right, something bad was about to happen. Like I said, your senses are, are attuned. They have to be if you are on a, a violent yard. Yeah. If you're oblivious to it all, you might become a victim yourself. It's hard being like this with one eye to walk around, and then I'm on the second tier. Almost fell 
couple of times. Kevin Arbuckle has been in prison since 2010. He has glaucoma. He's blind in one eye and only has partial vision in the other. How do you get down all the stairs? I hold on to the rail and tap with my sick to get to the next step to find out where, where the end of it is. And are, are people helpful? Some people are helpful, some of them don't. Got to step to get in the shower. Yeah. So the guys see me coming in, they, they say, oh, gee, you got it, you got it, OG? I'm like, yeah, I hold on to the rail and do the best I can do. Mm. It's hard to get around in a crowd of people. I wouldn't even participate in coming out here to the yard unless I come and do the laundry or go on the program somewhere. So um, other than that, I stay in the cell. You don't go out to the yard? No. Nope. So, oh. Because I don't want to go out because I don't have nobody really right there to help me, protect me, yeah. or be around with me, you know? It would be fine if I had two or three people with me. Right. You know, that I can walk around, go over here, sit down, or be somewhere, or whatever, but not just, you know, by myself. So what do you think, what do you worry about happening if you go out to the yard? Anything can happen. A fight can break out or, or I can bump into somebody or something, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I could be walking one minute and trip. So you spend most of your time in your housing unit? In, in, in a cell. It's dark. I just sit there and watch TV all day. Go to breakfast, come back, come down, try to uh, get on the phone. Come back up, see her, come back, go to dinner, come back, go to my park, and that's it. It sounds lonely. It's hard. It's hard on me in that Liberty space. It's hard just sitting up on the bunk all day. A Liberty cell like that, always got to pay attention. Don't care whatever prison I go to when they do the unlocks because I never know who's coming in on me or whatever. I always got to be cautious, so always be right there, you know, right there on my bed. The only way when I feel comfortable, after 8.45, that's when they lock him down. Uh, that's when you feel safer? That's when I feel more safe. That way I can get out of my shoes and relax a little, you know? Yeah. So we've talked about two senses, hearing and seeing. So how many more to go? Three more to go. Mm -hmm. Coming up after the break, the glorious aromas of San Quentin State Prison. It's that time again. Uh, time to make the donuts? What the hell? <laughs> you have to have grown up in the 80s to get that one. No, it's time for another Catch a Kite episode. In case you're not familiar, Catch a Kite is a Q&A episode in which listeners ask questions about life in prison and get answers from incarcerated folks. This season, we'll be switching things up. Listeners might not know that people inside many U.S. prisons can now hear Ear Hustle on prison tablets, kind of like a bulky iPad. Yeah, but a lot less fancy. So here's how it's going to work. 
We're asking you, our listeners, to send us audio questions about life inside prison. We'll get those questions answered by incarcerated people around the country who listen to Ear Hustle on their tablets. You know, we've never taken listener questions to prisons outside California, so this is a first for us. Indeed. To submit your question, leave us a voicemail at 510-906-1569 or send a voice memo to info at earhustlesq.com. Include your name and where you're calling from. And please keep your questions to under 30 seconds. Get your questions to us by March 27th. That number one more time is 510-906-1569. Or send a voice memo to info at earhustlesq.com. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR podcasts that center Black voices. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Come on, down the yard. I have really bad gas. Um, and I apologized once to my Sally after weeks because, you know, he, he never said anything, never complained, which is kind of weird because gas stinks. And I've had actual problems with Sally's before where it had actually almost come to a fight, you know, literally throwing punches because I have gas. I have bad gas and I know it smells, but, you know, I, I can't really do anything about it. My Sally actually threatened to beat me up the next time I farted when I was asleep. I can't get up and use the toilet when I'm sleeping. Did you know, like, the, what, in prison, what you expect to do when you have gas? I was told by my Sally, who it became a problem with, to drink a lot of water. He also asked me to stop eating certain foods. No, no, I'm referring to something else. So in prison, uh, I didn't notice either. I, went, I, I came to prison for the first time. I got to Calipatra, and I would pass gas. And, you know, excuse me, like, it's no big deal. You're going to pass gas. My study made some smart comments, but he didn't tell me that the custom is you're supposed to go to the toilet, sit on the toilet, and flush the fart. You know, time your fart with the flush. Yeah. Right? No, I'd heard the flush it, and I've seen guys try it, but with limited flushes... You don't want to lock the toilet out, and then you really got to use the toilet, and then it's worse than a fart. How many farts are you going to use in eight, five minutes? Eight, we, we get, you get two flushes every two minutes. This is not where I thought this conversation no, was I didn't, going I was, to This go. is not what I had planned. In and out.
I bring up High Desert because it, it, that place, I, I, I pretty much grew up there, right? But the, the food was just so terrible. I remember they would serve like scrambled eggs, right? And, and I used to work in the main kitchen too. So the eggs tasted like how the kitchen smelled. Like, what, can, it, it is, was can you terrible. Describe, can you describe it? it like at mildew. All? Like, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, so every time I would taste the eggs, I would associate the two and I would like gag, like, you know. Like, so it's like a, fa- almost like a phantom taste. Yeah, it's a phantom. And it ruined everything for me up there. It ruined all my meals. I could not eat in the kitchen. Like, it, it just, I, every time I tasted something, that's what I. You tasted mildew. Yeah. So I'm imagining the smell of like a mop bucket. Exactly. Just like think of a mop bucket with some smelly old mops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you've had the long-term um, damage done to your your feelings around taste? Well, I, I could tell you one thing. When I get out of here, I probably never eat pancakes. I'm never going to eat ramen noodles. I'm never going to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm probably never going to eat uh, scrambled eggs. And I, I love pancakes. I grew up on pancakes. You know, mom used to, my mom used to make pancakes. I enjoyed them. Now, don't, I don't even want to see a pancake, to be honest. Okay, 15 years ago, if you could have brought one taste in with you, what would it have been? One taste? Yeah. Steak, I guess. <laughs> like some meat. And what associations yeah. do you have with that taste? Uh, Just... You know, family gatherings and and being um, you know with loved ones. You know, always barbecuing. Man, just I don't really don't want to get into it, but it's just like having um something cooked rather than preheated. You know. Wait, but why don't you want to get into it? Because, like, I, I can't even, honestly, it's like I almost can't even remember what it tastes like. Like, I can remember that I like it, but I can't, like, re- get, sit there and, and give you, like, uh, uh, those details that it's like I, I, I lost them. And when you say you don't want to go there, is it because you don't want to, like, open those feelings or you just can't remember? Um, I honestly, I... I feel like I'm, I'm forgetting things, and like to, to be honest, even though I being in here, I I'd always want like good food, but it's like I'm forgetting like things, like I'm forgetting how that tastes, you know? Yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's kind of sad, but that goes with being incarcerated for a long time. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's sad or it's protective or it's adaptive. I don't know. I would go, you know, man, a long time without calling family members. I don't want to, like, really think about them ah, it sounds it sounds like kind of cold right like i don't want to think about them i don't want to stress on what they're doing yeah. right so it's like i close them off yeah some people reach out to the families every day or, or have that connection and for me i guess i unconsciously tried to sever connections 
and then like now I'm, you know, uh, ever since you know, my mom passed away, I try to like reestablish those connections with my family. But I think it's it's almost like it's too late because they have moved on without me. And so I'm like trying to like get back in their lives and it's like I don't see my place in it. You just did that very emotional story with us yeah. about last memories. Did it bring back any smells or sounds or tastes for you? Um, it brought up like I, I, I try to remember what my house smelled like and that I, I, I don't know I forgot but I remember how my mom smells like it's crazy because uh, I was at visit and someone was wearing perfume somewhere and I had uh, walked past it or something and and I smelled it and it immediately conjured up a memory of my mom and uh, and I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything at all. I kind of just went on with my visit. I don't know, like, you know, I'm not one who believes in, you know, ghosts or paranormal activity. I smelled that and I'm like, oh, she's here. You know, that's what my brain's telling me when, you know, or some part of my brain, right? And the other half's like, no, she's, she's, she's moved on. She passed. I think it was in 2019, they had started giving us oranges. They started giving us citrus, and um, it had been a while since I had peeled the orange. And when I peeled that orange, the citrus, that it lit up the whole cell. I broke every wedge. I tried to, I tried to break every wedge without breaking the skin in between. I did my best. Sometimes I succeeded, sometimes I didn't. It was like a reminder. It let me know that I'm getting closer to freedom, that I'm, I'm getting closer to going home. It was small, it was subtle, but it was something. It gave me a glimmer of hope. And the touch of having that uh, peel stuck in my nails and pulling it from up under my nails, I just realized how long it had been since I actually peeled the orange and ate the orange. How long do you think you had been? Um, let me see, 2019. Probably like 20 years, a little bit over 20 years. Did you eat that orange fast or slow? I ate it slow. That's the only way you're going to be able to enjoy it. Thanks to David Ditto, Andrew Boots Hardy, Ryan Pagan, Kevin Arbuckle, and Reggie Thorpe for speaking with us for this episode. 
Erlon. What's up, <laughs> Can you believe it? This is the first episode of season 10. Yep, season 10. And this felt like a good time to check in with some of our peeps who've been featured on our show. So you'll be hearing those updates throughout the season. Yep, we've got a lot of great updates, but there are a few tough ones about people who have passed. So E, for this episode, let's start with those. The first one is Paul Redd. Here he is talking about how he and other incarcerated guys used to honor Black August. You know, and for them 31 days, it was all about education. You have a book, a journal, and you make entries on what you're doing. So the next day, you might take it a little farther. So you're stretching yourself. Say you may read five pages a day. The next day, you might jack it up to 10. You always try to push yourself. It was about us making ourselves better when you come out of August than what you was when you went into it. That was the whole thing. Paul spent close to 40 years incarcerated, the majority of it in the shoe. He was a good dude and had a great legal mind, too. If you're curious about Paul, please check out our episode called August 21st, 1971. We're thinking of you, Paul. Next, Ronnie Young. We interviewed him right before he was about to get out of prison, remember? Right, right. And it was actually your first interview that you did after you got out. Yep, Kissing the Concrete. That's what that episode was called. Mm -hmm. What are the three things that you're looking forward to the most after you get out? Okay, three things I'm looking forward to. Showering alone. (laughs) And not standing in line for the shower or going to brush your teeth and having to smell someone else on the toilet. Oh my God, that's so huge. <laughs> um, being able to open a refrigerator door, grab a pickle or something to drink, <laughs> ice cream. And then I got to have milk on ice cream. <laughs> what flavor? Oh God, it doesn't even matter to me. I, I, I just love ice cream. I was there when Ronnie walked out of San Quentin. Yeah, and we tried to stay in touch with him, but it wasn't always easy. He was a good guy, but man, did he wrestle with some inner demons. Yes, he did. And the last one, Erlon? Whew, yeah, this one, this one hit different. The loss of my sister, Tyra Marie Woodson, left our hearts and minds in shambles. I mean... Her passion, her laughter, her unconditional love will forever be missed. Oh, you know what I always think about? What's that? It's just her smile. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that was her. And I just still expect that, you know, she's just going to pop up. Anytime you see her, she's smiling. She's laughing. There's something positive going on. And the true gift of this podcast is that we have her voice recordings. So I can hear her laugh when I need to, or I can just hear her talk. So that's a blessing for me. That is. So we tried to find tape of (laughs) Tyra talking about herself, but... She always is going to talk about Tyler. Yep, her son. Because that was her life, you know, and that's when she shines the most talking about him and smiles and exudes all that love. So here she is reading from a letter that she wrote to her son, Tyler, when she was incarcerated. 
baby, um, please listen to what I'm saying. It's all out of love. You are all that I have. And God gave you to me. And I don't want to lose you uh, For in any way. I'll try and call you um, on Thanksgiving. I love you and I miss you tremendously. Write me back. Let me know how you feel about what I said. I'll be waiting. Talk to you soon. Love always, Mom. That's Tyra from our episode, Christmas Boxes. We love you, Tyra. Thanks also to Tony to Trinidad for speaking to us for this episode. This episode was produced by me, Erline Woods, Nigel Poor, Rasan New York Thomas, and Bruce Wallace, with help from Tony Tafoya and Rashid Zinneman. It was sound designed and engineered by Erlon Woods, with help from Fernando Arruda and Bruce Wallace. It features music by Lee Jaspar, Antoine Williams, Rashid Zinneman, Fernando Arruda, and David Jossi. Amy Standen edits the show. Shubnan Sigmund is our managing producer, and Bruce Wallace is our executive producer. And we want to mention this episode about prison and the five senses was the idea of our beloved former executive producer, Julie Shapiro. Thanks for always being the inspiration, Julie. We really miss you. We do indeed. We'd also like to thank Warden Ron Broomfield. And as you know, every episode of Ear Hustle has to be approved by this cat here. Ear Hustle, welcome to season 10. And just as I get going, my phone rings in the background, but I am focused on you. It is amazing that we have made it this far. I don't know if anybody would have thought that season 10 would get here and we still have untold stories to tell. So with that, I will say that in our 10th season, episode number one, that I do approve this episode. This episode was made possible by the Just Trust, working to amplify the voices, vision, and power of communities that are transforming the justice system. Ear Hustle is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX. Radiotopia is a collection of independent, listener-supported podcasts. Some of the best podcasts around. Hear more at radiotopia.fm. When we're outside of San Quentin, we record at KQED in San Francisco. And as we said, this is our first episode of our 10th season. And we have a couple of small gifts we want to ask our dear listeners for. Yep. First, if you like the show and you haven't done it already, could you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review? That helps other folks find us. We haven't asked for that in a long time. Oh my God, since probably season one. (laughs) (laughs) Also, tell a friend about our show. And if they want to know where to start listening, we just made a list of 10 essential episodes. Don't miss those episodes. Those are at earhustlesq.com slash essential. And while you're on our website, you got to check out the show art. Tell them about it, Nige. Oh, yes, yes. This season, each episode will feature new works by a different incarcerated artist. We're working with the San Quentin Prison Arts Project on this. You can see the work and find out more about the Prison Arts Project on our website. Please make sure you do. They're an amazing organization. All righty. That's it. And we glad to be back for season number what? Dime. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening. Oh, and I didn't even hear that. There's a guy punching the bag not too far away. I, I still can't hear it. Um, well, it's like he's punching in a solid movie. He's punching. He, he's hitting that bag hella nice, huh? Yeah, very gentle. <laughs> he doesn't want to hurt the bag. He's tapping it to wake up. He's an environmentalist. <laughs> Support for Ear Hustle comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash earhustle. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash earhustle. Odoo. Modern management made simple. Nige, mm-hmm. Ear Hustle listeners are the best. They really are. You're always in touch, letting us know what you think about episodes and sharing the love. Yep, it's really a two-way conversation, a relationship. Indeed it is. And if you're looking for a way to deepen that relationship, consider signing up for Ear Hustle Plus. Ear Hustle Plus, it's a new subscription service that delivers bonus Ear Hustle episodes wherever you get your podcasts. In addition to ad-free episodes of Ear Hustle, Subscribers get behind-the-scenes, off-the-cuff conversations. We have a monthly AMA, which is Ask Me Anything episode, where you and I answer questions sent in by subscribers. And seriously, no question is too random or wacky. Questions like, what's our favorite book? Do we hang out in between seasons? What's the most technically challenging Ear Hustle episode ever? Okay, Erlon, yeah, those are good questions, but like we said above, I'd like some wackier ones, actually. (laughs) (laughs) We've also started doing episode commentary, where you and I listen to a classic Ear Hustle episode and talk about how it came together, hard decisions made along the way, and where the people in the episodes are now. Yeah, we did that for Sellies, and it was a lot of fun, so we're definitely going to do more. And Erlon, tell them about that idea you're working on. Sure. I've been sitting down with some of our formerly incarcerated friends who have gotten out and are doing well. Just basically showing how they went from one situation to a better situation, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Those will start dropping in the Ear Hustle Plus feed soon. Listeners, we want you in this conversation. Find out more about Ear Hustle Plus at earhustlesq.com slash plus or subscribe right now in the Apple Podcast Player app. That's earhustlesq.com slash plus or right in the Apple Podcast Player. So what is your favorite book, Erlon? Sorry, Nige. You got to subscribe for that. <laughs> really? Yes. Radiotopia.